0: Testing, testing, one, two, one, two. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible studies. And those of you who are watching by live stream, if you didn't hear me, welcome. Uh, we're going to get into the word tonight, so let's pray, and then we'll get right into the word. All right? Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your presence always, Father God. We thank you for everything and all things, Father God. Your word says that we have to thank you always at all times. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord. And, Lord, there's there's just not enough time to thank you for all the wonderful things you've done for us. But, Father God, we thank you anyway. We honor you and we glorify your name this evening. Father, we thank you for the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do your stuff. Work through me. Speak through me, Lord God. Let it be all you and not of me. And, Lord, for this we thank you as we wait expecting to hear, Lord God, what you have to say. And for this, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of God's people say, amen Amen and amen. The story is told about a a man who was uh, shipwrecked and stranded on a deserted island, an uninhabited island. And uh, he was the only survivor. And after a while, he was able to build a, a hut and he's able to store what little that he was able to salvage from the wreck. That was all that he had. And so every day he would pray that God would deliver him from this island. And, uh, and he would go out to the, uh, to the beaches. And he would scan the horizon hoping that a ship would will, will, uh, go by. And so he would do this every day. And so one day he decided to go out and uh, do some hunting for some food. And so as he went, when he got back, he saw something that horrified him. He saw his entire hut engulfed in flames. Everything that was in the hut was destroyed. Everything that he owned, his only possession, even though it was just a little bit, was all destroyed. It seemed like the worst has happened. But but that which supposedly happened for the worst, in reality, worked out for the best. Because here's the thing, the next day, a ship arrived. And the captain of that ship came to shore and said to the man, We saw your smoke signal. It's interesting how God is able to take a moment of devastation and turn it into a moment of deliverance. Hey, and here's the thing: it reminds me of what the apostle Paul says in Romans 8:28 when he says this, and we know that all things or everything works together for good to those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. Now, what's interesting is that the word working together is a verb that's written in the present tense, which indicates or emphasizes the continuing activity by God. In other words, God is continuously working and turning every circumstances in our lives, turning it around, continuously, working always. God works in everything, not just in isolated situations for our good and for our benefit. So that is a wonderful thing to do. And, and if we place our lives in God's hands and totally trust him, then it doesn't matter how bad things are. It doesn't matter how troubling things may be. God will make a way. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight God will make a way. Like the song says, he makes a way that we cannot see. He will make a way for me. I always love that song. And Paul Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So we've got to believe that God sees our circumstances as it is and is able to work all things for our good, even when it's not plain or visible to us. Because God works behind the scenes. Go to Psalm 33 and look at verses 13 and 14. Listen to what it says. In Psalm 13, uh, 33 and verse 13, it says this. The Lord looks from heaven and he sees all the sons of men. And verse 14 says, from the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So what the psalmist is really saying is that God has an excellent view of the entire human race. He sees everything, all of our circumstances, all of our struggles. He sees everything. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, when God appeared to Moses and spoke to him through the burning bush, this is what God said about his people to Moses. He said in verse 7, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. He says, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. And yes, I am aware of their suffering. In other words, God sees their afflictions, God hears their cry, and God is aware of their struggles because God sees all. And he has a perfect audience, a perfect view of the entire human race. There are, there are Christians today that are going through through extreme troubles, that, that are in situations where they feel like it's an impossible situation. And, and there are Christians who... Feel that they're completely trapped, hedged in, overwhelmed, with no solution in sight. There are many Christians who feel that the things that they ask God for seem unlikely for God to make for, for, make, for, for it to come to pass. There are also those who, whose hearts are filled with with doubt because they can't figure out what to do next, and there's nothing they can do. There are many Christians who are facing those dilemma. Has anyone ever been down that road before? Well, God specializes in showing his power in hopeless situations, in situations that are impossible. There's a statement that was made, and I forget who it was who said it, but he said this, impossibilities are the platforms in which God does his best work. I love that. George Mueller also once said, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. He said there is no glory for God. In the things that are humanly possible. But he says faith begins where man's power ends. And because faith begins where man's power ends. We need to trust in the God that we believe in. <clears throat> when it comes to believing in the existence of God. We cannot affirm his existence. As Christians, we can all affirm Christ's work on the cross and his, and his resurrection. But why is it so difficult for us? Why is it such a struggle to trust in a God that we claim to believe in? Have you thought about that? And many Christians struggle in that area. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Look at verses 27 and 28. In verse 27, it says, When Jesus departed from there, Two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And in verse 28, it says, and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now notice what Jesus did not ask them. He did not ask them, do you believe in me? Because it was pretty clear that Jesus knew that they believed in him because they addressed him as son of David. Now, son of David is the messianic title of Jesus. Every Jew was taught that the Messiah was to be the descendant of David. So when you hear the term son of David, what they're saying is descendant of David, who is the Messiah. So Jesus believed that they believed in him. Now, here's the thing. They also believed in the prophecies That the Messiah will will do when he comes. As a matter of fact, if you look in Isaiah 35, look at verse 5. Where it says, and when he comes, that is the Messiah. He will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Even in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, you don't need to turn there. But Jesus went into the synagogue and got up and began to open the book of Isaiah and began to read from there. And this is what he read from there. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And of course, understand that he was reading the prophecies concerning himself. So what he was reading was about himself. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And watch this, and the recovery of sight to the blind. So the blind men not only believe who Jesus was, but they also believed that Jesus was able to heal them of their blindness. And, it's, and, it's, it's, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the, the question is not, do you believe in me? The question is, do you believe I'm able to do these things? If Jesus were to come here right now, tonight, and he was to ask you the same question, do you believe I'm able to do this? What would your answer be? Do we believe that the God that we claim to believe in, do we trust in him? Can we say, I believe that you can do it, Lord. I believe that you're able because that's what he's looking for. God already knows that we believe in him. What he wants is that to believe that he's able to fulfill his promise that he's came to do. So understand that there's a tendency among many Christians to believe or think that God is a God who was. And the God of who will be. But they fail to believe that he is the God who is. In other words, we remember the great things that God has done for us. We testify all that God has done. And we rejoice in them. We also look forward to the hope that God has provided us in when Jesus returns. And the promises that will be fulfilled when he comes. And we gain hope from that. But what about believing in God in the here and now? Because God is the same yesterday, today, as well as forever. When Moses went before God, when God had commissioned Moses to go into Egypt and go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And he said, go meet with the elders as well among the Jewish people and tell them that the God of your father has sent you to deliver you. And so Moses asked God, Lord, what if they ask me, what is your name? What should I tell them? Now, I'll tell you what God did not say. He didn't say, tell them, I am the God who was. He didn't say, I am the God who will be. No, he told them, I am that I am. In other words, I am the God who is present and active. And so, he is the same yesterday and forever, but he's also the same today. Go to Isaiah chapter 43. Beginning in verse 15, where God speaks to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And this is what he says in verse 15. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way, in the sea and a path through the mighty waters now god was making reference of the time when he parted the red sea and delivered his people and <clears throat> and made a way of escape for them then if you look down in verse 19 god continues to speak to his people through the prophet isaiah saying this behold i will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you not know it watch this i will even make a way in the wilderness, and rivers in the desert. From, so from these passages, we see that God refers to himself as the God who makes a way. It was also interesting, as a matter of fact, all throughout the Bible, you run across <clears throat> many references about God and delivering his people and the Red Sea. And I believe the reason why you see that throughout the Bible is because it's a constant reminder that God is able to make a way where there is no way. And I believe we need to remind ourselves of that. And even in Isaiah 43, verse 19, and the last part of that verse, it says this. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, we know that a desert is a dry and desolate place. A place that there's no life, there's no water anywhere. But yet God says, no matter what the conditions are, I will make a way. As a matter of fact, he proved that when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, and there was no water in sight. And they began to complain that there's no water. And God was able to make a way where there was no way by providing them with water from a rock. God can make a way where there is no way. In other words, God is mighty enough to step into our wilderness, into our arena of the day, in our lives, and in the world. And bring his power into our situation and turn things around and fix things so when it's all said and done, when God is finally finished, the only conclusion that we can come to is only God could have done what he had did. That's why uh, um, George Mueller, when he said that God cannot receive glory in humanly possible situations, he can only receive glory in humanly impossible situations. And so and that is so important to know because whatever God does, he always receives the glory because he's God. So we have to take the position that when things are not going our way, when things are going wrong, we need to believe and just, just take the time to trust God to do the unthinkable to do the unimaginable and to do the impossible. Because God is a God who makes a way where there is no way. Go to Exodus chapter 14. Look at verse 10, where we read the story of the great event of this great deliverance that God provided for his people. And we know the story. God sent Moses to deliver his people. And uh, God had demonstrated his power in so many ways to convince Pharaoh to let go of his people. And then finally, Pharaoh decided to let them go. And so they all marched out of Egypt and and traveled several miles until they reached the Red Sea where there they camped for, for, for temporary. And so as they were camping out, settling down, resting from their travels before they go into their long journey to the promised land and enjoying their newfound freedom, Pharaoh changes his mind and he rallies up his army and he sends him to go after the children of Israel. And so we pick up in verse 10. And it says, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So. When the children of Israel looked up, what did they see? They saw the most powerful army in the world, during, in, in the ancient world during that time. They not only saw the most powerful army, they saw an army supported by the world's most advanced technology, which was the chariot. And not only that, but they also found themselves in a very dangerous and desperate situation. They were trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. There was no place for them to go. Now look at, look at verse 11. Because what happens when they found out that the army is coming upon them, they became afraid, they became desperate. And what did they do? Immediately they turned against Moses and began to blame him. In Exodus, verse 11, chapter 14 says, Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Verse 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? In other words, leave us alone. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. So in their desperation, they played this blame game because they were caught between a rock and a hard place, between Pharaoh's mighty army and the Red Sea. So what do you do? What could they do? And, And on top of all that, they didn't believe that God could deliver them out of their situation. Now, keep this in mind. God has just demonstrated his power by delivering them out of Egypt. And now they find themselves in another situation. And yet they couldn't believe that God was able to deliver them from that situation. For many of us, we also kind of view our lives like the, like the children of Israel. Like we're caught between a rock and a hard place and there's no place to go. And that's how they felt. But there seemed to be no way of escape. There, was, there seemed to be, when they look around, there was no place for them to go. So imagine, put yourself in their situation. Put, them, put yourself in their spot. And you have this entire army coming after you. And you've got no place to go. Imagine the fear, the desperation, the anxiety that one feels when they find themselves in that situation. And then... Knowing that there's no place to go, you're trapped. Now, go to Isaiah chapter 43, because understand this. When you find yourself in a desperate situation, this is where God shines the most. This is where he shines the greatest. This is where he receives the glory for all that he will do. In Isaiah 43, verse 16, it says, Thus saith the Lord who makes a way in in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. Again, indicating this is what God had done. And how he's able to do because he's able to make a way. Now go back to Exodus chapter 14 and look at verse 13. After they panicked, after they became afraid, after they began to blame Moses for being in the situation that they're in, Moses decides to give them some instructions on what to do. Verse 13 says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. So Moses tells the Israelites, stop being afraid. He said, stand still. In other words, don't be moved by what you see. And he says, watch to see what God will do. He said, just step back and see what God does. Rather than telling them, all right, guys, we're in a situation, stand and fight. He didn't tell them, you know what, why don't you surrender? He didn't tell them, why don't you go swim your way to the other side? No, he simply said, don't be scared. Don't be moved and watch what God does. Now look at verse 15 of Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? He says, tell the children of Israel to go forward. So apparently Moses turned to God to pray. And God says, why are you praying to me? Just move over. Just keep moving. Now, prayer must be a vital place in our lives. It it must always be a part of our lives, every day. But when it's time for action, then we need to step out. You see, there are many of us who know what to do, but we pray, seeking more guidance and seeking more confirmation from God, when all we're really doing is using that as an excuse to delay the inevitable, If you should know what to do, then you need to move forward. There's no point in sticking around and hanging around. Because if you already know what to do, then step out and do what you need to do. What God told Moses, however, when he says, why are you praying to me? Just move forward. But yet what God was saying was, was humanly impossible. Because in reality, there was no place for them to go. Imagine God telling you go and, and, you know, it's okay. Well, where am I going to go? I can swim to the Red Sea, but I don't know how far I'll get. I can face the the army, but I doubt very much if I'm going to survive. So why did God tell him to move forward when there was no way to go? Here is where our viewpoint and God's viewpoint is different. Where God's people could not see any way out of this situation, God sees what they could not see, which is a way out. Understand this. God saw the problem already way before his people saw the problem. In other words, he saw the problem ahead before his people saw the problem. And he not only saw the problem before his people did, but he already provided a solution for that problem. So when God says move forward, he already had an answer. He already had a a, a provision. Look at uh, Psalm 77 verse 19. Again, we see uh, an account of the Red Sea crossing of God's people in the book of Psalms. Look at what it says. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters. Watch this. A pathway no one knew was there. See, God's people could not see a way out of their situation. But the solution was already there. The solution was present. As a matter of fact, the children of Israel was not in any danger at all. But they couldn't see it. But yet God did. Because the reason why is because God already made a way out. He made a way, a pathway, as the scripture says, that no one knew was there. And keep in mind, again, I'm trying very hard not to get ahead of myself. There was a solution to their problem that he already solved for them. Think about this. this. Whatever situation you might be going through, you might think that there's no answer. You might think that there's no way around it. But, God, but understand this, God already saw the problem before you faced it. And when he saw it, he already provided a way for your problems. He already provided the solution. You just have to trust that. As a matter of fact, before God's people even left Egypt, God already prepared the way For their journey all the way to the promised land. In other words, God already set the course of his people from Egypt all the way to the promised land. The problem is that the people didn't know that. And here's the thing God also provided or set a course for us in our lives. Before you and I we became born again, before you and I was even born into this world, God already set our course. He's already prepared a path for us. He has already made a way for us. But that does not mean. That we're not going to face any bumps along the way. Because when he set our course. And and made a way for us to travel. To reach our promised land. He saw all of the bumps. All of the trials. All of the obstacles that we're going to eventually face. But every bump that he sees. Every trial that he sees every struggle that he sees in our lives he's already provided a way out he's already provided a solution god will make a way where there is no way go to isaiah chapter 43 and look at verse 2 god saw the problem even before his children even saw it and he already provided the way for them in Isaiah 43, verse 2 it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, if you pass through the waters. It says, when you pass through the waters. It doesn't say if you pass through the fire. It says, when you pass through the fire. It doesn't say when others pass through the waters. It says you, when you pass through the waters. In other words, there's going to be some waters. There's going to be some rivers. There's going to be some fire that we're going to have to go through. Uh, John 16, verse 33, Jesus himself said it. He says, in this world, you will have tribulations. There will be some bumps in the road in your life. You will have to face some trials. But he says, be of good cheer. I provided a way. He says, I have overcome the world. So if he's provided a way for us, then we can face any challenge that's coming our way. Because another thing about what he says here, when he says, and you will pass through the waters, and he says, and I will be with you. And that makes a world of difference. In uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, one of my favorite verses, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now a quick look at that word through in Isaiah 43, 2. This word has a positive aspect to it and a negative aspect to it. The negative aspect of the word through is that you will go through it. Just like Jesus says in this world, you will have tribulation. So you're going to have to go through it. The positive is that you'll get through it. Yes. You will get to the other side. When the children of Israel, when there was no way of for escape for them, the only way for them to escape the, uh, the Pharaoh's army was through the Red Sea. And they were able to move forward and continue to walk until they got to the other side. And when they did that, the waters didn't overflow them because God held up the water. He made a way where there is no way. God already saw the problem that you will face in your journey. But he's also made a way for us to overcome every trials that we face in life. And again, we don't know what's coming around the corner, but God does. We just have to simply trust him. And rather than panicking like the children of Israel did did when they faced their situation. All we need to do is just do what Moses said. I mean, yeah, what Moses told them. He says, don't be afraid. Stand still and don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by your circumstances. And just stand back and watch what God does. And that's, that's an awesome thing. The period of difficulties that we face in life is only temporary. So there's no need for us to set up camp in the midst of our rivers or in the midst of our waters and then think that that's the, our lot in life for all time. No, we're to move forward as, as God's told uh, Moses, move forward. There's some, someone once said that if you're going through hell, don't stop, just keep moving. The only way to escape is just keep moving. And you see, faith is not about standing still. Faith is about moving forward. That's why the Apostle Paul says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That means putting feet to our faith. How many of you know that there's power in motion? We all have the uh, motion detector lights in our homes. How many of you have, have those, right? So whenever the, whenever the lights detect motion, power kicks in and the lights come on. When it doesn't detect motion, there's no power. When you come close to to its range, power kicks in and the light comes on. When you walk away from its range, there's no motion, therefore there's no power. When we step out in faith, we put motion to our faith. And when we put motion to our faith, we're kicking in the power of God on our behalf. His power always works behind our faith. So we need to put motion to our faith so that the power of God can kick in in our lives. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So take the step of faith and move forward and know that there is a way out even though it's not plain or visible to see. Now, how many of you believe that God will make a way where you'll never, ever see your struggles or your problems again. How many believe that? Amen. Go to Exodus chapter 14, look at verse 13. And he says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, or you can say, your problems, whom you see today, you shall see again. No more, forever. The problems that they saw that day, they saw for the last time, forever. Whatever it is that you might be struggling with today, whatever it is that, 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 that is causing you a lot of problems in your life, whatever it seems like to be a thorn in your flesh, know that God will make a way to overcome that problem, those struggles. So that it will never be a struggle in your life again forever. This is what God said. So when you look at your current situation right now, when you look at your current problems, when you look at your, pro- your, your current problems, your, your dilemmas, your drama, your struggles, look at it for the last time. Because God is going to make a way for us to be able to, to, to never see it again and remove it forever. Because that's what he said he would do. Remember what Paul says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose or according to his plans, which means that the the trials that we face in life will not alter God's plan for you. It will not change or shift in any way. The reason why God works all things for our good is because of his purpose and plans for our lives. So whenever we face trials, know that it doesn't deter God's plan or shift it in any way. God's plan is still steady. So God will work on every situation in your lives because you're called according to his purpose. So whatever drama that you're going through in life, whatever dilemma you might find yourself in, no matter what struggles you're dealing with, whatever it is that you're going through today does not change what God has for you tomorrow. Because God has already made a way for you because of the fact that you are called according to his purpose. And I love that because every one of us can claim that God has a purpose for our lives. And if we're called to his purpose then we know that he's going to work everything out, whatever we go through in life, God's works in ways that we cannot see. Now go to Exodus chapter 14 look at verse 21. Because it's not just how God will make a way. It's how God makes a way. In Exodus 14 in verse 21, listen to what it says. Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind in all that night and made the sea, excuse me, into dry land and the waters were divided. In verse 22 says, For the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea or through the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the scripture here reveals three elements that God uses to make a way of escape. First, he uses the human element by calling Moses to stand and stretch out his hand over the sea. Then God steps in and uses supernatural element where it says that Lord causes the sea to go back and then using the the natural element by calling the strong wind from the east. So God uses all three elements together to deliver his people to make a way where there is no way. Now that doesn't mean that God uses the same, uh, (laughs) the same thing in every situation because God is such a, a, a versatile God. He'll do things in whatever ways he can do it. He can do it, he can just use human element. He can use the natural element. He can use supernatural element. He can use all three combined. But God is such a versatile God that it doesn't matter how he does it, it's the fact that he does it. And we can't figure out how he does it. We just have to believe that he is and that He is able to do what he said he would do. The Bible says that God, that all things are possible to those who believe and with God all things are possible. So we may not understand how God does things. And it's not, to us. it's not up to us to understand it. It's not up to us to try to figure it out. How many of you have ever tried? Oh, let me say it like this. How many of you have tried? How many of you stayed up nights trying to figure out how God is going to do it? How God is going to get us out of our situation? There were many nights I've lost some sleep trying to figure out how God was going to do it. Maybe God will do this. Or maybe God will use this person. Or maybe God will cause this to happen. And all we're doing is losing sleep. Why worry about how God does things? God can do anything and use anything to make a way where there is no way. Just simply trust that he's going to do it. And don't worry about how. And of course the results in Exodus chapter 14 and look at verse 30 and 31. This is the result of God making a way where there is no way. He says, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and saw Israel and saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. You can also say it this way. And Israel saw their problems dead on the seashores. And when God makes a way where there is no way and and delivers from our problems, we can look back at our problems and say our problems are dead. Our problems are no more. It's done. It's over with. And in verse 31 says, Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So when there was no way back and no way forward, God does what he does best. He makes a way where there is no way, and he comes through us and comes for us, comes through for us in, in a way that seems impossible. But that's what God does. He operates in the realm of the impossibilities. And I thank God for that. Now, do you remember when I said back earlier in this message, when Jesus asked the two blind men in Matthew 9 and verse 28. Do you remember that? Remember the question? The question was, do you believe that I am able to do this? Okay. To expect God to make a way where there is no way, you've got to believe that God is able. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. and I'm sure that you're all familiar with this verse as well. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that work in us. Now, Paul says that God is able to do, which means that God is able to, 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 to uh, use his ability to make something happen. In other words, he has the ability to make something possible. And that word able in the Greek is the Greek word dunamis, which means God's supernatural power. Now, when, when Paul wrote this, he used very descriptive words to describe God's ability. He says that God is able to do or to make something happen exceedingly, abundantly, and above all. Now, he could have just said, God is able to do all that we ask or think. But he chose to use descriptive words. And he he chose it in order to to describe the magnitude of God's ability to do what he says he's going to do. So let's take each one of these words and let's just break them apart. And let's start with the word exceedingly. The word exceedingly means uh, over and above or beyond like an endless line. Then you have the word abundantly, which is a combination of three words that make up one word. One of those words is to go beyond, which is similar to the word exceedingly. But it's different though, because we're not talking about just going beyond. We're talking about going beyond, beyond. And it's not just going beyond, beyond, but going beyond, beyond any time, any place, In any cost, and in any situation. The word abundant also uses the word excessive. Now, the word excessive comes from the word excess, which means to have a surplus of things, to have an overabundance of things, or to have a superabundance of things. Excessively also means to a greater degree, or in greater amounts than is necessary, or than is normal. In other words, the word abundantly means that God is able to do more than enough or way more than you need than is necessary. All right. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. A good example of that is the story of King Amaziah. And uh, when he became king of Judah, now keep in mind that the kingdom of Israel was a divided kingdom. You had your 10 tribes, which were called the northern kingdom. And then you had the two remaining tribes, which were the Southern kingdom, which is the kingdom of Judah. And Amaziah became king of Judah. And so he counted how many men he had. And he had 300,000 well-trained men, fighting men. That was his army. But he went and hired 100,000 more men from Israel. And he paid 100 talents of silver, which is the equivalent of 7,500 pounds of silver. For 100,000 men from Israel. Now, the Bible says that a man of God, and some believe he's a prophet, came to the king and said, you cannot do this. You cannot hire these guys to fight with you because God is not with Israel. And he says, and if you go into battle with these same guys, you're going to surely be defeated. But the problem was, is that King Amaziah already paid for their service. Have you ever paid for something and, and, and you regretted it? You paid a lot of money and you realize, oh man, what did I do? You regret the money that you, that, you, that you squandered and that you've wasted because you wish you didn't have to do it and you wish you could get your money back. But in this case, you couldn't get your money back. So we pick up over in 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and look at verse 9. It said, then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And then the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. The word much more in the Hebrew means to multiply or to increase exceedingly. In other words, what the man of God was saying is God is able to multiply and increase exceedingly more than what you spent on that 100,000 men. So when we talk about the word abundantly, we're talking about God being able to do beyond, beyond all things, any place, any time, and for any cause, super abundantly and excessively to a greater degree or in greater amount than is normal to face whatever you face in life. Oh, that is powerful. And then the last word, above all. Now, Paul used these last words above all to describe how capable God is. Above all, we ask or think, which means that God is able to cover everything in your life. Everything in our lives is covered by God. So, He is able to do this above all that we could ever ask. Or think. In other words, there's no limit to what God can do in answer to our prayers because his capability goes far and beyond anything that we could have asked or dream or even imagine. Try to think about, try to wrap your mind around that. See, see, God possesses all things over, uh, he, he has all power. He, over all things, at all times. And he demonstrated his power in many different ways because he's such a versatile God. But understand this, it is impossible to ask God for too much because his capacity to give exceeds far over our ability to ask or to imagine. How many of you have been reluctant to ask God for too much? We tend to think that this might be too much for God to handle. But God's capacity to give far exceeds our ability to ask or to even imagine. And if we can imagine it in our minds, God can go beyond, beyond exceedingly what we can ever imagine. It is said that nothing is too hard for God. Go to Jeremiah chapter 32 and look at verse 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. So if you can picture this in your brain, God has the ability to do and to go beyond beyond excessively and super abundantly covering everything in your life far above all your thoughts, imagination, all of your plans, your dreams, and your hopes. God is able to make a way where, naturally speaking, there is no way. But he is the only God who was, who is, and always will be. That is who he is. Now go to Exodus chapter 2013 as we come to a close. God is powerful enough and able enough to make a way where there is no way. His hand is powerful enough to do that. In Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3, it says, So Moses said to the people, this this is, day, this is a day to remember forever. He says, the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. There's something powerful of God's, about God's hand. It's the same hand and outstretched arm that created the heavens and the earth. And it's that same power that God uses to make a way where there is no way. But understanding how is not a requirement for you to believe God. And that's so important to understand. We just have to believe that He is and that He is able. Look at Proverbs 3 and verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Or your own imagination or insight. Notice the order here. It says we have to trust God first and leave our imaginations, our knowledge, our understanding out the door. Just simply trust in him. In other words, don't try to figure him out. It's not up to us to understand how. It's up to us to simply believe God. So when God makes a way, when there is no way, it is beyond our comprehension. So you cannot understand it, you will not understand it. But that's all right. Just receive it and thank God for it. Remember that God's viewpoint is much different than our viewpoint. If you were to how many of you gone to the Bristol Parade back in the Fourth of July? Okay. So when we go to a parade, we try to find the right spot for us to watch the parade, right? After fighting through the crowds and parking and everything else. And uh so we find our spot. Then we watch the parade. We watch the parade one float at a time and one marching bat at a time. Okay? God, however, sees the entire parade at one time. That's the difference between his viewpoint or his perspective than ours. Or you can say this. Say a man stands out on the ground in the middle of a downtown like Boston. right? Now, if you ever went to downtown Boston, you, you see all these tall buildings, right? So the man who stands in the middle of downtown cannot see up or out simply because he's surrounded by buildings that are much bigger. All right? So all he can do is stand in a corner and then look down one street, look out the other, and be able to see just a few blocks in front of him. That's how he's able to view. That's, that's as far as he's able to view. However, if he goes on a helicopter and he ascends to a higher position, those buildings that was once tall now don't look any bigger than his thumb. And that's because he's, he's, he's got high enough to see the whole picture. As long as you're on ground level, everything looks so big. Your marriage problem looks big. Your money problem looks big. Your job problem looks big. Your people problem looks big. Right? When you're on ground level. But if, if, if we allow God to help us to see things from his perspective, allow us to see things the way he sees it, then all of our worries would begin to become a little bit, a little bit smaller than what it really is. But we have to see things through God's perspective. In other words, we've got to believe that he sees what is not visible to us because he sees the whole picture. But if we can see what he sees through the eyes of faith, then we're able to not worry about the things that we're dealing with every day. The things that we worry about so much become so much smaller because we see things from God's perspective. We all know that it is Satan's strategy to steal, kill, and to destroy our faith. This is what he does. If he, can believe, he can, if he can make you believe that there's no way out of your situation, then he's done his job. He wants fear to overwhelm us, to consume us, and take our focus off of God, who is able to do all things that are impossible. But, he want, but, but Satan does not want us to focus on that. He wants us to focus on the problem. He wants us to feel that there's no way out. Have you ever met somebody who was, in, who was always had problems and they can't see their way out? And so they feel that this is it. This is my lot in life. And I'm not going to have anything else but the problems that I have. Have you been around people like that? It's the kind of people you don't want to be around. But Satan wants you to believe that there's no escaping your problems. But we need to remind ourselves that no matter how much you don't understand life as it is right now, no matter how difficult it may seem and no matter how hard it gets, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Because God is about to do something. But you've got to believe that. If God is with you and if God is for you, that same God who spoke life into you. The same God that has saved you. The same God that knows the beginning from the end. The same God that has delivered you. The same God that loves you. If that same God is, if you're with him and he's with you and he's for you. Then who can stand against you? Who can mess with you? I like what Pastor Rave once said. Says, you mess with them, you're messing with me. You know, and, and you know, that could be one of God's people, his wife, his family. You mess with the family, you mess with him. You mess with my family, you mess with me. You mess with God's family, you're messing with God. I like what the great missionary Elizabeth Elliot says. She says, true faith goes into operation when there are no answers. Have you ever been to a place where you had no answers? That's where faith begins. True faith. But we need to look at our situation from God's viewpoint as God's opportunity to perform a mighty work for all to see. To the children of Israel, when they found themselves at the Red Sea, they thought this was the end of the road for them. They thought that this was a dead end. It looked like a stumbling block to their promise for freedom. But again, if we look through God's viewpoint and believe that God is able to make a way where there is no way then it's no longer a dead end it's God's opportunity to do a mighty work so if you're facing a dead end in your life in your marriage in your finances in your job in your future in your spiritual lives maybe you've run into a dead end emotionally or relationally know this If we trust God and move by faith, even when you don't see a way out, God is able to make a way where there is no way because He's already provided the solution. You might think you're in danger, but you're not because God's already solved the problem. You may be filled with anxiety, but you don't need to because God has already made a way. You simply just stand there, don't be afraid. And see what God is about to do. Your dead end is God's opportunity to make a way out of no way. Believe that he has already made a way for you. And remember that he's able to work together everything in your favor. God is never caught without a clue on how to solve a problem. Because he's already solved it. So stop doubting. Stop questioning. Stop second guessing God. And just simply trust him. Trust in the Lord or in the God that you believe in. Have confidence in his ability to make a way when it comes to your situation. So do what you can and God will successfully execute what you can't. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for instilling in us a confidence to know, Lord, that you can make a way where there is no way. Father, drill that in our minds and in our hearts so that whatever we face in life, we know that you've sought already before it came. You know that you've already solved it, Lord God, before we got to that problem. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that we can stand and believe and not be afraid and not be moved by what we see. Father, let us keep our focus on you at all times, no matter what comes our way. We thank you, Father, for setting our course in life. Thank you for preparing us for what's ahead. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, for all that is said and done. We thank you for ministering to your people tonight. Those that are here and those that are watching by live stream, Father. I thank you, Father, that you're speaking directly into their hearts and into their lives. I thank you, Father God, that you're meeting them right where they are. I thank you that you've had a word for them tonight. And Lord, I just give you glory and honor and praise for ministering to them through the power of your word. And for the power of your spirit tonight. And Lord for this we thank you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.